Welcome to Minimalish, a podcast about minimalism, sort of. I'm your host, Desiree, and I strongly believe that minimalism isn't meant to be an identity, a standard to live up to, a set of rules, or anything along those lines, but rather just a tool to help us make room for the things that matter in our lives. And it looks different for everyone. Each week, you'll find me here having conversations about living with less realistically and the things that matter, like motherhood and family, intentional living, mindset, loving our people, and everything in between. More than anything, it's my goal to remind you, and often myself too, that you're worthy of creating a life filled up with what matters to you, and that you're already enough just as you are. I'm so glad you're here, friend. Here's today's episode. Hi, friend. Welcome back to Minimalish. This is episode 62, and today's episode is not very minimal. It's not even minimal-ish. It's actually a long episode, but that's because Catherine and I had... Such a great chat about all of your questions. I mean, we answered as many as we could, but this time around for our Q&A, we kind of just asked for random questions, anything that deals with minimalism, anything that you wanted to know and you wanted us to chat about. I mean, we don't have all the answers, but we just talked it all out and hopefully it is helpful to you. Hopefully it resonates with you. That's the goal of these episodes, these Q&A episodes. It's not for us to be the expert and solve all of your life problems, but rather for us to really just share our own experiences, have a conversation and invite you into that conversation. And hopefully it feels like we're all having some coffee or whatever you like to drink together. Now, today's episode, like I said, it's a long one. We go from talking about the beginnings of minimalism, how long it took us to purge, what our favorite rooms are in the home, what our favorite systems are, and then we move to talking about new motherhood, and we really just go in on that topic. We talk about it for a while, so if you are a new mom or you just like to listen to chats about motherhood, then you're going to love this one, and I hope it's helpful for you. Before we dive in, I do want to just say one quick thing. Next week is Christmas, if you're listening to this the week it comes out. And that means that Christmas is on Wednesday this year, so there won't be a new episode on Wednesday. In fact, there's going to be a new episode on Friday of next week because it's my birthday and I wanted to put an episode out on my birthday. So you will hear from me on Friday of next week and not Wednesday. Also, you will not hear from me the week after that. I'm taking a much needed one week break in the beginning of 2020 because this podcast would be set to release on January 1st and I think I just want to start the year with a little breather. So I hope that encourages you to do the same if you are able to and let's dive into today's episode. Oh man, all right. (laughs) We are, um, Catherine and I are coming to you with both of our toddlers having some some sleeping issues today. Real so life over here. Hopefully, we can focus between. Let's do it. Yeah. You've had you've had some sleeplessness this week. Oh and, man. Yep. And Never ending. There's always something. This week yeah. was extra hard, but yeah, sleeping when they, when Owen doesn't sleep, I like panic. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to. Sometimes I go back to like post traumatic stress disorder of absolutely. Uh, early motherhood <laughs> exactly that's exactly it was I, I think I even like one of the questions that took me back and I was like it really was traumatic it was it was rough for me but yeah so when he doesn't sleep or we have weeks like this it kind of like takes over my life but I'm glad we're doing this because it's such a nice break it's good to talk yeah. with other moms you know? yeah it really is all right so we are going to start out talking about just the beginning of minimalism and the question there were kind of two questions about this so I put them into one but it just said did you have a huge edit to become a minimalist or did you start there so I guess did you start out pretty minimal to begin with and how long did it take did you have to do multiple edits so what was that like for you so for me, it wasn't really a uh, minimalist wasn't on my radar. It was to become tidy. And so that um, life changing magic of tidying up book was pretty popular at the time, except I hadn't heard of it. My friend mentioned it to me and I, I wasn't working at the time. I was home. I was a military wife. We had moved into our uh, new house and we were making renovations and stuff. So For me, it wasn't to become a minimalist. It was just to um, 
purge my house to a point where I felt like it was all the things that we had together that was the house that I wanted it to be and what Luke and I wanted it to be. So I followed her steps pretty closely. Um, mind you, I was kind of already tidy. I'm, I've never been um, a collector of much. I We didn't get married with much, so we didn't have a whole lot, but for me, it was more like fine-tuning and tailoring everything that we already did own and merging our lives together. And I think I've talked about this before, but like creating my home that represents fully what my identity wanted to be at the time. And that was letting go of a lot of, you know, items that triggered bad memories for me. So I guess, yes, I did do a big edit, big edit for me, for what my life was and what we had accumulated at the time. And it took six months, I would say, ish. And um, since then, I've, I've definitely had to do multiple layers. Like, you know, when you become a mom, you get different stuff. When you move, you have different stuff. And um, we've lived in four, is it four houses? Can't remember now. Um, but we've lived in several houses since we've gotten married. So we've definitely had different phases of it, but initially we did a big purge. And since then, we're just super mindful about what we buy. But we also live in a bigger house now, so we have a little bit more than we did at the time in terms of, like, furniture. But we're more mindful about other things. So our initial goal was to be tidy, and now it's become into minimalism because I think we're, we're seeing how little we can live with, but also meet that tidiness need i don't know if that makes sense but yeah yeah kind of merge both of them yeah yeah i can relate to that just because we moved a lot we moved a lot before we ever purged so we accumulated a lot as we went because we moved from from smaller like one bedroom 600 foot apartment to four bedroom and then back down to kind of a middle ground now. And we ended up purging when we were in the four bedroom house, which is funny because that when we purged, we, the house was still not full. We had a big empty room. Basically it just had like a desk in it. It is a giant, most giant bedroom ever. Um, It just had a desk in it and like random crap. And yeah, I think what's funny is when I think of that bedroom, I think that bedroom made me realize that we didn't need that space, you know, that that space was felt excessive to us because even after being in that house for over a year, almost two years, Mm -hmm. we never, never did anything with it. But when we, we jumped into minimalism through the minimalism documentary. So it was for us like that's what it was for us that caused us to declutter is just this idea of minimalism and they do such a good job of Mm -hmm. really showing so many perspectives I feel like I don't know why they're not paying me yet because I talk about this all the time talk about their documentary all the time (laughs) I seriously I'm kidding I think that that is such a game changer they did so well and I recommend it we watched it together so good. we watched it after we read after I did my thing and Luke was like I'm so glad we're doing this like I'm so glad we've done this or whatever and it was it is that one's a good one I always forget about that one but it's yeah yeah and we did it so quickly because we mm-hmm. it just happened it was near our spring break so once our mm-hmm. spring break came we were both teachers at the time we just took all that time and we yeah. purged and like we didn't really have guidance in the purging because thinking of that documentary it doesn't really tell you like how right. to make it minimal because yeah the more i think about it minimalism usually starts for people with decluttering but it doesn't have to yeah. start that way i think the mindset shift really is more important even mm-hmm. to start with i think totally. that documentary does a good job with the mindset so that may yeah. have been why it was so easy for us to go through it plus we had all the time but like it was easy yeah. for us to really just get rid of things because of that, I think. So that's great. That was a good one. I love them. They're some of my favorite, just the way they, the words that they use, how they speak and how they phrase things makes you think so differently about stuff. It's so good. Yeah, they're definitely artists. Yes. I, their writing is so good. But I was going to say, too, that recently we just purged our basement twice, probably in the past five months. We yeah. are definitely still purging. We 
I would say we're decluttered as much as we want to be from the day to day. But when we decided, we just decided we wanted a play space in our basement. Oh, this stuff we thought we were going to keep, we don't actually need it. So I think it's just a long game, really. There is an importance in shifting your mindset so you're not constantly bringing stuff in or else you literally will be decluttering every day. Mm-hmm. And you're, that can be really wasteful, but it doesn't mean like we're still going to accumulate stuff. We can't yeah. put some kind of ideal on ourselves. One day we'll be done decluttering. It's just never going to happen. Right. And I think the shift was for us. And like I've said, having kids really changed it for us because, you know, I was home alone and Luke was at work all the time. He couldn't participate in the journey that I started for us. Um, But once we had kids, like your kid is always going through a new developmental phase. And that does require new stuff, new clothes, new toys, you know, everything that's appropriate for their age group. And so, like you said, I don't think you're ever going to be done because you will always have a phase that you've completed and have to cast off and get new stuff for. I I think it's easy to do one big purge before kids. But if you have kids like it it will be layered and it will be multiple, but that doesn't mean that you're not doing a good enough job. It doesn't mean that you aren't finished or can't be in maintenance mode. I think you just get to a point of, you know what you like. And then once that phase is over, you can buy the things that were easy for you in the same, like in different things, but easy for you in this, in the same way, if that makes sense. So um, yeah, I don't think you'll ever be done either. I think it, it, you will have multiple with each phase of life, but Um, you can kind of maintain the same mindset, like you said. Kind of along the same lines. Mm. What is your favorite area of your house that you have minimized or decluttered, whatever you want to say, however you want to say that? The kitchen is definitely um, a great place for us that we've minimized because it makes our daily functioning so much easier. Um, And it's just so much faster. We know what we can, like if we do have to move, we know what we can survive on and the things that we like. I know that I'm not a baker, so some of the equipment that I don't need um, has been nice that I don't have to buy. It has been funny, though, because I have had family members like cook in my kitchen. They're like, do you have this? Do you have that? And I'm like, no. And I'm really confident in that. I'm really okay and settled with what we own in the kitchen and sticking to the things that I like to do in the kitchen. Cause I'm not a great cook, um, but I have to cook and I, I choose to do it for my family, but I'm just, I'm glad that we can put things away in cabinets and there's not a lot out. So that one definitely, um, my wardrobe has been another one while it has looked different over the years, having a smaller wardrobe with multiple uses and, Picking things I really like has made my day easier, even though as a mom, you don't always get to put like your nice items on or anything like that. But yeah, you do end up picking things in the future if you do buy more clothes or you go back to the same pieces over and over once you've minimized them and you really learn to love them and appreciate them for what they are. So um, definitely those two. And then Owen's room has always pretty like has stayed pretty minimal. Because obviously we had decluttered before he was born. So his room is truly functional. And I love that because anyone could go in there and take care of him and find what they need. The wardrobe for me has been a huge difference. I think getting dressed has been hard for me. That sounds so ridiculous. But when I... Oh, it's real. Yeah. Before, I mean, even before I was a mom, it was in postpartum for me when we... I don't want to say became minimalist because I don't really really use that label, but (laughs) you know what I mean? So that was a huge difference because Mm -hmm. I did not like how I felt in any of the clothes that I had, but they were just looming in my closet, making me feel bad about myself. So now what I have, it just is so, it fits my lifestyle so well that even whenever I'm hanging around the house, I feel good in what I'm wearing. And that has just made a huge difference for me with mental health in general, especially being a stay-at-home mom and being home all day. What happens is that it's such an internal and external change that happens to you and your body. And then somehow you're supposed to look at your wardrobe and think like, oh, that represents me, but that's not who I am now. But it was me, but it's not me. And I don't fit into that, but I still love those clothes. And choosing to to find things postpartum is like 
how is this really going to make me feel good, but also help me accept the phase of life that I'm in because I, I haven't lost baby weight, if you will. At this point, it's not even baby weight anymore. It's just weight. Yeah. <laughs> but the wardrobe, I think, represents just my, like I said, acceptance and my willingness to participate in the life that I am living now. And whether or not my body changes, my wardrobe can still look like me. And I think that can be pretty powerful when you're going through postpartum because it's, it's a whole identity shift, but your wardrobe doesn't have to look like you went through hell and back. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I know I went finally just told myself, and I suggest this to new moms, You, if you can hold off, try not to spend too much money on yeah. maternity clothes because it's yeah. postpartum that you are it's going to last longer and you're going to want to feel, you know, your body is not necessarily going to bounce back and you're Mm going to have to find a whole new way to dress yourself. And I think because minimalism came so quickly after that, and I was able to say, okay, if I have less, but I have things that I like, I gave myself permission to curate a wardrobe that I loved and to edit it down to, not a, not a necessarily a number. I want to shop secondhand first for my wardrobe. And with mm-hmm. that, I've kind of given myself a little bit more permission to say if I want to edit a little bit more and if what comes in ends up going back out, I won't feel as bad about it. But yeah. not in the way of it. I guess I just want to say, like, I still like clothes. I still like changing it up. But I basically yeah. have more of a set template in my head of I know yeah. what I like. Yep. And I think you find that when you become a mother, because you don't have time to mess around. You don't have time to sit there and change outfits all the time and figure out what looks good or what makes you feel good. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of like discussion out there as far as like if you change your wardrobe after postpartum, you might never get your body back. So try to keep the clothes you had so you can fit into your old you know, jeans and stuff like that. We've created such a culture of you have to bounce back. And I think that adds so much to our mental state and that idea that if we don't, we're a failure and, you know, that feeds into postpartum depression and just sends you down a really bad spiral. At least it did for me. And so I had this, I had this expectation in my mind that if I didn't, if I didn't create a new wardrobe for myself and I didn't get back into my old stuff because I spent money on them and they were nice, well, then I was a failure as a mother and a person and I'll never be the same person I was before. But it's not true. Like I had to create a new wardrobe after I had a baby. And I can say I love this wardrobe just as much as my old wardrobe, um, but they're very different. Yeah, I think it's a really important aspect of accepting the phase that you're in in motherhood. Yeah, yeah. The wardrobe is deep. I seriously believe it. I totally believe it. I I actually did have a question about wardrobes, so we weren't going to answer that one, but we kind of talked about it. So there you go. (laughs) If you ask that question, if you're listening. So, all right. Let's move into talking about systems. This is a fun Mm -hmm. question. It says, what is your favorite system you've developed in your life? So this kind of goes back to the other, you know, what's your favorite part of the house that you've minimized? My favorite system goes hand in hand with that, and that's our kitchen system, because it has made me super efficient, and the cleanup is can can be really quick, and um, anyone can do it. Anyone in my family can be taught how to do it or know where things go, and um, we live in our kitchen. It is the heart of the home and it's really the center. Whether you cook or not, you always have to use a fridge. You might use your microwave. You know, you still have things that you utilize in the kitchen. And so for us, the system of putting things away, where they go, everything has a home. And then um, to top that off, the the kitchen is closed. Knowing that um, I can put an end to my day working in the home, turning the lights off and leaving that space. It's like your office. You know, you can turn the lights off and and leave it and know that it's done for the next day. And so um, whether you work at home or you are a stay-at-home mom or you work out of the home, like your kitchen can definitely set the tone of your house sometimes. At least I feel that way. And um, I think it can make the biggest impact, too, when it's clean. And if you have people over – you know, people gather around the kitchen. It's like, it's just kind of like a magnet for gathering. And so 
I can count on it being cleaned up pretty quickly and being confident that it looks nice or that it can function well if I'm serving other people. It totally does get trashed, trashed by the end of the day. Like, I'm not going to lie that it doesn't get destroyed because we live there. It's our most used space. But because of the system that we put in place, it is so easily put back together. Um, and I think it makes the biggest impact in my mental health, um, being at home all the time, that I can you know, close it down and feel super productive. Um, even though the stuff gets used every day, I think, I think it's kind of like a game for me that because we use it so much, how quickly can I get it back to zero? Yeah. So yeah, that would be mine. What does it look like for you? What does like the actual system look like? Um, I think it for me. And, um, if you've seen pictures of my house on my Insta blog, like there's not a whole lot on the countertops, but there's some stuff on the countertops. So I don't think it's this idea of like having completely clean countertops or, um, or having everything out on your countertops to be efficient. But I think just finding balance of what speaks to you. So for me, I like to wipe things down quickly. So there aren't, there aren't a lot of stuff on the, on the countertops, but at the same time, I like it decorated. Um, and just like little touches here and there to make it feel homey. So for me, it's been finding a balance of what is actually in places and then getting the majority of the stuff that we actually use in cabinets, minimizing to the point like all of our appliances except for our coffee maker and our microwave are in cabinets. Um, we have a slow cooker, an Instapot, a Vitamix, and a toaster, and they can all fit in one cabinet. Same with sugar and flour you know a lot of people like to put stuff on the countertops with that kind of stuff but I choose not to because I just don't want to see it all the time you know yeah Um, and sometimes it will help you minimize the mess if you know you have to pull it out and use it all the time yeah so it's helped me uh tailor a lifestyle of being deliberate and intentional about what I choose to make Um, we pretty much pull the toaster out every day, but we take care of it because we touch it every day and we clean it and put it back. So it just, I don't know, it just makes you really mindful and then making sure things fit in the cabinet. There's room to breathe in all the cabinets. I just tidied up kind of like a catch-all cabinet had like vitamins and water bottles and cookbooks and stuff. And so I reset that and I moved the cabinet to something that I thought would be a little bit better because again since kids we've had to add certain things like kids medicine and kids I don't know syringe like what are those tunnel things and yeah just like little stuff you you that no one tells you where to put so you've got to figure that stuff out so for me I can function in my kitchen just so quickly and it's been about putting things away having empty negative space in certain places and being able to have anybody in my kitchen and know where stuff goes and and i guess a system that makes sense like it's intuitive like you grab you go to one drawer for this one thing you move to another drawer like as you're moving throughout the kitchen you're not wasting time i don't know how to explain that um but it's something that my mom has a gift in she has a an amazing way of organizing a kitchen And growing up, you always knew where things were, and they're kind of where you thought that they would be anyway. So Mm -hmm. you put them there, or like how the kitchen is outlined, whichever, where the oven is or where the fridge is. Like we have our glasses by our fridge. So you open a cabinet and fill up your drink, or our, you know, some basic things like oven mitts are right by the oven. So you grab the oven mitt and open the oven, you know, things like that, that just when you go into a kitchen that doesn't operate that way it's very obvious how much you can like stumble over yourself but when you find that rhythm in your kitchen system you cut out so much time you know which I think for me is necessary I just don't have time to be thumbing around through but you know yeah 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 that's good and then you close your kitchen at night so you do do like a reset at night Yep. Every single night. And I love that my husband participates in that. And if I'm gone, he will do it every night uh, for me. And we just love that feeling of like, okay, kitchen's cleaned, kitchen's closed. And we dim the lights and we leave. And that, that was, uh, that was part of growing up too. And it was just a signal that the day is over and it's time for you to rest. And I think there's value in knowing that you've worked hard in a day and you can shut the space off and you've earned the rest by closing your kitchen in essence. So, um, yeah, I love that anyone in our family can, can do our system, um, and pick up the slack when I'm, you know, not a hundred percent. 
So, yeah, yeah. that's, I think one of mine is just kind of the end of the day reset. It has been huge for us and I'm not always the one to do it. Even right now, we were just talking about bedtime before we started recording because (laughs) my daughter was screaming her head off because I, my husband was putting her down, but he used to do bedtime and I would do the reset and we just switched a couple of months ago. So he's been doing it and honestly, he's a better home homemaker than me anyway. So (laughs) it works, but (laughs) he's just always been more tidy. I mean, he has the, uh, he his he grew up in a military home and just like I feel like I don't know he's just always been yeah. very neat and tidy and I'm so yeah. the opposite but I can still like that system of resets yeah. I think the first time I was introduced to resets was on this podcast this podcast oh, I like yeah. to say is just me learning things from people oh, <laughs> I love most that. of the time because it was my first episode of minimalish so once it like shifted from what it was before that mm-hmm. uh, I talked to Lauren from an organized life on Instagram and she talked about resets and I was like, Whoa, I never (laughs) thought to put things back in the place where they came before I leave a room. (laughs) Who would have thought that, you know, but, but no, I don't do it all day long just because that's just not who I am, but I do it at the end of the day. And sometimes I do it. I used to do it at nap time more, but as my work has, my workload has increased, I don't do it as much, Um, but things change and it still works for us. Yeah. At the end of the day, they make such a big impact. They're so they don't take very long once you once you've minimized, but once you do it, they make a huge impact. Yeah, I think that's that's another little question that I got in my question box about resets, like how to make them not take super long. And I think that what you said is just it. It's there gets to a point where you've decluttered enough that it just doesn't take as long because I can only imagine that before minimalism, I didn't even do a reset anyways, but if I did, it would have taken me forever. But I think also like the first couple of times that you are doing it, or if you're trying to implement it and you haven't decluttered yet and you have a lot of stuff still, then I think even with, a lot of stuff. I don't know. I don't know if this is helpful, but I just, I think that you don't have to wait. If this is something that you would want to do, I think it does take the load off in itself because it's something where if you do it regularly, it's going to be less and less. Mm -hmm. Like when my house was a total mess disaster because we had so much stuff, it would have taken me forever the first couple of times probably until I got it to a little bit more of a reset space. Of course, less stuff is going to make it less time, but I think just with practice, like you don't necessarily have to wait. You don't have to feel like, Oh, I'm going to live in this house that feels overwhelming to me and feels like a disaster until I can get the time to declutter. I think that making it a habit can at least lessen it a little bit. Does that make sense? And that's a great point, too, because, yeah, it does make sense, because if you start with the resets, you know what you're touching every day and what's actually going to annoy you resetting all the time. And that's not worth your time. And you get frustrated at certain tasks. Like for me, it got to the point where resetting pillows on the couch got really annoying because they were all on the floor. And I took three minutes to put pillows back in place that were just decorative that ended up on the floor anyway, just as an example. So you get to a point where you are touching and, you know, touching these items that end up frustrating you or doing these little tasks within your reset that just really eat up your time and kind of don't have any point to reset. And then once you get rid of them, you're, you know, the reset is cut down even more. So if you start there, I think that's a really good point. Starting with the resets is, great because you know how you want to operate you know what you want your house to look like and then you cut out the items that don't include that if that makes sense yeah and just for reference resetting is basically just like putting things back to ground zero like where they where they would be if your house is tidied and I think pots and pans like our kitchen was just always a disaster 
before minimalism because we had so many pots and pans and we could just they could just pile up, you know, and Mm. I would use so many within one day because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wash them right away. Now I have I can't I can't do that because we don't have as many. So I have to wash them. You know, I get to a point in the day where I'm like, I've run out (laughs) (laughs) because we don't have a microwave either because it broke. (laughs) Man, I don't know if I could live without. I love my so bad. I I feel like a pioneer woman. I love that. I reheat my coffee in my in a pot. Sad. An actual like pot on the stove. It's not really healthier for you too. Isn't there something about I don't know. We can probably. I don't know. hope you're enjoying today's conversation with Catherine and I, but I'm interrupting to tell you about two great companies that are making this episode possible today. First, I want to tell you about Warby Parker. They believe prescription glasses shouldn't cost you more than a plane ticket or an iPhone. They definitely meet and exceed their goal. They provide high quality prescription eyewear at a fraction of the price. Their glasses start at $95, which includes the prescription lenses, plus anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings, and they even have blue light filtering lenses available as well. I especially love their mission to give back. Almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses, and Warby Parker partners with nonprofits like Vision Spring to ensure that for every pair of glasses sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. My Warby Parker glasses are my favorite glasses I've ever owned. They fit perfectly, the quality is amazing, and I wear them all the time. I love that I got to try them on at home and my family was able to give me some input on which frames I should get. They make it so easy to find the frames that you like. They start with an online quiz, which is what I started with. You just answer a few quick questions and they suggest some frames that would fit your style and your face. And then and then you can order their home try-on, which is free. You order the five pairs of glasses, you'll try them on for five days and they ship free. Plus there's a prepaid return label and make shipping it back so easy. And I am so excited that Warby Parker just introduced their new product, Scout. It's comfortable, breathable, affordable daily contact lenses. They resist drying for lasting hydration and you can wear them for less than $1.25 a day. And you can order a trial pack, which includes six days worth of contacts for only $5 and then receive $5 off your next Warby Parker order. You can order the free home try-on program or request a trial of Scout contact lenses for just $5. Visit warbyparker.com slash minimalish to learn more. That's warbyparker.com slash minimalish. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. But the question about new motherhood was more so about, they said what is actually needed when it comes to a baby. Um, She's a... Going to be becoming a first-time mom, the person who asked, and she's kind of like feeling overwhelmed by all of the suggestions. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I felt this and I didn't like I always want to make a disclaimer when I talk about motherhood for some reason of just that like I'm not a parenting expert or anything. So I don't have expert advice on what you need for a baby or but whenever I was asking around, I wanted to know from all of my friends what was needed. And while a lot of that advice was really helpful, sometimes Mm -hmm. it just felt like so much because everyone wanted or everyone liked different things. And and there were some things that I heard from multiple sources, but I was in the mindset that if I can give my baby everything as much as I possibly can afford and as much as I possibly can accumulate, then then I'm doing the best for them. Ugh. And that's because it was, you know, I didn't even I was so opposite of minimalism before minimalism. So, yeah. um So, yeah, we had so much and we had a lot of it was handed down to us a lot. We didn't pay for much of it because so much of it was gifted. We were blessed by so many gifts. But and I got a lot of it secondhand. I was on Buy Nothing. Do you know Buy Nothing, like the Facebook groups? Oh, I guess I don't know that. Oh, you should look it up. So it's Buy Nothing is local Facebook groups where people will just they just give things away. Yeah, so it's a really good way to give things away if you do want to donate. But I was on there just like soaking in all the baby stuff. I need that. that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, so anyways, I accumulated a lot. And I think that my biggest suggestion of what is needed, and every baby is different, obviously, Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. that I really looking back that I found 
excessive where like all the swings and everything, although, um, you know, we had them and we used them because we had them, but looking back, like she was happier set in our little, like sitting on the couch next to me in our little boppy. The boppy was great. Oh, with you. That was great. Yeah. Or just with me. Yeah. Like that's what I mean. Just like kind of lounging on me on the boppy or lounging right next to me Mm -hmm. on that and, or on the, on the play mat playing. Those are the places that, that I would set her down most. And, and those are the most helpful spaces because that's where they can really learn to move is in places yeah. like that where they have not on the couch. Don't let them learn to move on the couch, but <laughs> never mind. Don't, um, don't quote uh, me on that. But, but okay. personally, I do say that I think with, if we add to our family, which I think we will, but I don't think that I will be minimal on things like basic onesies or anything. Yeah. I know I had, I remember I had a ton for that newborn phase, and I was worried I didn't have enough. And honestly, that was a valid worry because I feel yeah. like they, especially just within the first month, they just go through them so fast because they're always mm. spitting up or Ugh. having a blowout. And I did right. not want to do the laundry very no. super often. I didn't have any kind of laundry system going on in early postpartum. So yeah. that's my one non, non-minimal suggestion is have enough onesies, basic plain onesies you can find them for super cheap secondhand I'm sure someone will donate them to you but but that's a that's a uh, must I think unless you just want to have them naked wrapped up in a blankie that works too (laughs) or if you need to take them somewhere (laughs) do whatever yeah listen just survive I'll get to this in in the second part of the question but I feel the same way like the onesie department which I'll I'll share with once I get to it like which ones for me were like a lifesaver but um anyways you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And for me, I, well, in any mother, you don't know what kind of kid you're going to have and what their specific needs will be. I was in the dark about what motherhood actually looked like. And um, I, I had decluttered my home kind of, you know, we were on this like minimalish journey before we had kids. And I knew that I didn't want to have a lot going into motherhood. I was completely blindsided about the kind of kid I was going, I was given and in the best way, of course, because he is such a light and such a wonderful thing. Um, but I, I didn't mentally prepare well for that. And, and I don't know, it was just, I was so caught up on him that I, I think for me, I don't, I would do it so differently just because I think I would truly invest in myself and the things that I actually needed or invest in the things that I really loved. Cause looking back, I would say I didn't, I didn't enjoy the things that I had that I even used. Um, and they weren't super convenient and they weren't great necessarily. So, um, but I feel like a lot of people tend to over-prepare. Maybe you felt this way, like they over-prepare and they have to give away more if they do choose to declutter later instead of under-preparing and buying what you actually need. Um, so if I could say, wait until you see what kind of kid you're going to have. Because like you, I could have used a lot more clothing. Um, he had reflux, on, had uh, silent reflux. I had no idea. And he just went through so many clothes. And I just kept thinking, well, I'll do laundry. And I'm going to stick to my minimal wardrobe. But it, I was a mess. Um, and I had kind of the same as you, I had some of the entertainment devices and things like that. He just was not, um, satisfied by any of those. And we didn't need those. He just needed me. So for me, my best advice is like the things that ended up being the most important to me were the most simple designs and that fulfilled the most basic needs. So strip your expectations down to like the most basic. So Sleeping, eating, and clothes. Like, you don't need all the gadgets. You know, a baby carrier is nice, but nothing will prepare you for the kind of kid that you're given. And for me, it was such a shock that I could have bought all the things or nothing, and I still wouldn't have known. So you just don't know. So in my mind, it's better to, like, not have it all and then find out what you actually need and buy it or get it then. For me, it was talking to my friends. I believe that the best resource that you can have is actually talking to moms that that have already been in your shoes. And I was so, I know there was a few moms that tried to tell me a few things that I like, if they're listening, I'm so sorry. I was like, did not listen. (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, I'm like, honestly, knowing what I, if I, if I could be the person I was now, then, you know, I would have soaked up so much more um, and been so much more prepared. And I think that when you truly are asking for the purpose of what do I actually need? Because I don't want to be, I don't want to add overwhelm to what I'm already overwhelmed with and stuff can definitely, baby stuff can overwhelm you very quickly. Um, Cause there's always like the best gadgets out there, you know, what, what's going to, that fear-based marketing strategies of, you know, your kid's not going to develop properly or all that kind of stuff, but don't listen to that. Like talk to your friends and hear from them what actually works. And I can remember my best friend taking me, Lurie, if you're listening, you're a lifesaver. She took me to Walmart before Owen was due and she walked me through the store and would pick things off the shelf and just throw them in the cart. And I'd be like, okay, well, why do I need that? And she would explain it to me. I'm like, oh, okay. And she was so helpful. And literally the things that she bought were the things that I ended up using. Like the baby shower was great. We got a lot of nice things, but it was the friend that showed up for me that said, this is what you actually need. And one of those items was those Gerber baby white bundle packs, onesies. Yeah, you can get from Walmart. You can literally throw them out if they are soiled and you could buy a three. I think they come in like three or six pack. They were so, so necessary. And it's just interesting. Like, listen to your friends, listen to your mom friends. Don't be that mom that believes you're going to have a special experience, you know, and that you're above it. No, like we've all been there. Listen to your friends, wait and see what you're actually given and then get the things that you that you need and i think you'll be surprised how much that will impact your experience because you don't you don't want to be blindsided i don't know i just want to save new moms from the darkness that i was in during postpartum so yeah um, yeah i think it's so hard to because when i like as you were saying that i think that is so true you know as you are pregnant or like towards the end of pregnancy and thinking that anxiousness of, okay, I have no idea what is coming. I want to prepare as good as I can for what I have no idea what is coming. And I think it is, it's so important to have that resource of other moms to talk to, whether you are close with family and you can talk to, you know, talk to family members transparently, you know, that can, there can be so many dynamics there. I know that that helped me on so many levels, but also like mom friends who are ahead of you, but it can be hard. I think if you don't already have that community, it can be hard to find it, but I know there are resources um, where I was when I had her, we were in Charlottesville with our hospital, there was like a new mom's group and it can be really hard to, to get yourself to go to that kind of thing. But I do think it's just, it's so good to have someone to be like, Oh, I was freaking out because this happened. And then they could be like, yeah, that was happening too. And then you're like, Oh, okay. This isn't just me. My baby's not, there's nothing wrong with them, even though they're spitting up all the time, you know? So it's just those little things that you're like up, at least for me, I was, I feel like I was always up in the middle of the night, nursing, nursing and Googling the worst possible thing. And I (laughs) don't do that, that. (laughs) No, no, no. but I did, but, um, But it can, it's like the friend who tells me not to do that. And also the friend who helps ease my mind after I've done Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's like, you need, you need those people. And I, I, it's hard to say that when I know that it could be hard to find that resource, but there are mom's groups and really recommend seeking that out. If you don't already have some kind of community already, that is, that is definitely, I love that you said that, that, that was the best thing was like the advice from other friends and just the community in general. Well, and, and I would add to that, like no gadget is going to solve your problems. If you're having a tough time during motherhood, like, yes, they are helpful. There are great things that they've invented now to give you um, peace of mind or whatever, but your baby needs you. And if you are not a whole person and fully present, you know, it's going to impact your experience. So you could have all the right gadgets that all the parenting experts have recommended and safety and entertainment and developmental things. But if you are spiraling down a very dark tube, like that's not going to help, you know, those gadgets aren't going to impact how you're doing things. So just be mindful of that, like almost prepare 
in that way of like these gadgets aren't going to save me from motherhood it's me like i am i am it they just want you and i if i could tell myself back then like stop worrying about all these things just be present for your baby even though the things that we had to worry about were very intense it was a very hard time it just doesn't the the stuff is not going to matter yeah and if i not not to recommend stuff right after you said that but (laughs) No. (laughs) no but i i do like how you said they just want you we went through this period of time that i think it's pretty common um around like four to six weeks where she would just cry Mm-hmm. I don't know, for at least an hour and I know some people experience it way worse some people don't experience it at all and it's like inconsolable yeah. and think something's wrong but it's not like it's just a developmental thing I think or you know that's right. the theory but anything that could help me hold her basically was yeah. really helpful and continued to be helpful totally. moving forward so like a baby carrier or a wrap that definitely helped yeah. us that's one of the things yeah. that I'll keep for the next baby but it's those things that just help you keep them close and right. there are times when you are going to need a break and to put them down but you know you don't need a fancy gadget to put them yeah. down in either having people to help if you can is so helpful postpartum yeah. I know oh, just yeah. not everyone has that but, yeah, but to help for sure yeah yeah and I was gonna say like if, if you kind of know what's important to you, but before the baby comes, make a list of the things that are important to you, not like the gadgets, not the stuff. I'm talking about things like sleeping, eating, you know, that sort of thing. For us, sleep training was important. So whatever items aligned with that, so like blackout curtains, a sound machine, a good crib, you know, you can have minimal, but still have the necessary items to accomplish the things that you need to do. So, um Pay, talk to your mom friends and find out what are, what kind of things are really important, like if breastfeeding or bottle feeding, whatever it is, whatever the things that align with your values when it comes to motherhood, figure out what the most basic items are for that category and then go from there. And then ask, like, you're going to find these lists on Pinterest that are just, you know, so long. And you could take that list to your friends, say, or your mom or whoever it is that's important that would can tell you the truth. You know, have them start crossing off things that don't matter, but still align with what you want to do. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that was helpful, but. Yeah, it was. And I think, too, when you are on those sites on Pinterest, you'll see, like, you know, all of these opinions. And when you said about what aligns with your values, like only change your values if the only thing that should change your values is if your first option wasn't working for you you know what I mean as a family because there are so many mommy wars or whatever you want to call them out there and it's it's just crazy because like like you said if sleep training is important to you someone out there is going to say that you're a bad mom because of that or if co-sleeping is important to you someone else you know the uh, whatever I don't even know if that's considered opposite but I just whatever side you're on breastfeeding bottle feeding and not that you need to be on a side but whatever you choose to do I should say someone is going to tell you that's not the right thing so the only reason you should change it is if it's not working for you and your family because it I think like the confidence level of a new mom oftentimes is so very low. At least it was for me of just the confidence in what you're doing. And so all of that killed me. Anytime I saw something that was opposite of what I was doing, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I traumatizing my child because I let them cry for 10 minutes or whatever, you know? And here we are two years later and don't think I traumatized her, but we'll see. (laughs) Hopefully (laughs) not. It was great. Well, and I can give another example. It's like, I, I couldn't breastfeed. Uh, We, we hit tongue lip tie issues, latch issues. I had PCOS with low milk supply, you know, breastfeeding. It was my main intention going into motherhood. It was like my biggest thing is I wanted to breastfeed. And then your expectations have to change when real life hits you. And so, you know, even with those core values of the things that you think are important, like, like you said, have room to change, have room for error. And if those items that align with those core values have to change, then swap them out. Like it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to accumulate more because you're changing your plan you know you can do your plan thoughtfully and and problem solve um intentionally I guess so yeah Yeah. we had to we had to figure all that out and that was tough so but we did it we made it work and he's two and a half and doing just fine so yeah yeah it's 
I, breastfeeding was mentally a Ugh. struggle it, yeah. because of all the messaging about it. And I love breastfeeding and I'm still nursing because awesome. I, every time I go to talk about that, I, it's not because I want, like, not necessarily, it wasn't, a, it's not been a choice. It's just like, I tried to wean and I am such a laid back parent and it really wasn't working for us to wean. It was just such a struggle and I didn't want I didn't feel like forcing it. So now I'm like, I don't know how I'm ever going to stop this. But <laughs> in early motherhood, it was so hard. And yeah. I hate that like I felt I, it was like it was one of my core values as well and something I wanted but I I just I know I was struggling and I cried over it and it was a huge part of my anxiety and yeah. like, luckily it was able to work out but it's not everything you know it your child will be healthy either way like that's not going to make right. or break your child's health so Right. I don't know. This whole episode has turned into like a pep talk for the <laughs> new mom, but it's oh, good because so it's like what we needed. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Last question um, about baby stuff again, because we're now having pep talk for baby things. <laughs> um, keeping baby stuff. So this question said, what about cluttered keepsakes mm-hmm. for your that are from your first kid that you don't want to keep for your second kid? So I think what they meant by that was just if you're keeping a lot of stuff from your first kid, you don't want to rebuy that thing for your mm-hmm. second kid. Um, but it feels cluttered, I guess, from your first kid. So right. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think this is a tough one because um, I think it depends on how spaced out your kids are. I think it depends on how your feelings change and the market for new, I'm going to say it's new gadgets because new things are being released all the time that they improve upon and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's a tough one. I've kept a few things. I mean, I've kept a good amount of things that I think are valuable, but I've sold a lot and given away a lot. Um, But this is my take on it. And this is very personal. I don't look at newborn life. Um, with fond memories it was actually really traumatic for me and from I would uh, say his first six months of life um, I don't really want to be reminded of how it was and I would do things so differently now which I think every mom feels that way once they're like down the line Um, but once you get to a point where you feel like they're okay and like (laughs) you're doing a a good job as a mother um, my feelings towards the stuff changed a lot And, um, so I think I don't really want to have that many hand-me-downs. My main criteria when I'm looking at the stuff that we're going to keep or pass along is just, is it neutral? Is it like clothing? Is it gender neutral? Depending if we can have a girl or a boy. Um, and then was it something that I really loved to use that made my life easier um, so that was like the boppy lounger was super great for keeping him on the couch, but there are some bad memories attached to it. So sometimes I look at it and I'm like, Ooh, I remember that one day he, I was pumping and he was crying and I couldn't produce any milk to give him. And it was sad and he was crying. And so I think this is, has to be such a personal thing. Um, and again, if you are really not trying to spend money later I think it can be valuable that you can keep things but I only have one kid and we are spacing out if we have more spacing them out quite quite a big stretch like (laughs) I don't know when we'll add to our family but he's already two and a half so I think a lot will have changed by then Um, the things that I will keep are the things that worked I think so for us it's been a crib the crib that we have for him has been great so we will hopefully transfer him to a toddler bed and keep the crib for the next child. The dresser that we use is a changing table. So basically the things that we've utilized for the past two and a half years that have been main, main things um, we'll definitely keep. Um, But it's tough too, because it depends on your financial situation as well. So I can't say like, how to do it. I think it really has to be personal, but I just don't want a lot of stuff that reminds me of a hard time that I had. And I think I want an entirely new experience knowing what I know now for the next kid. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. We had, we had a lot of things that were given to us secondhand 
for Owen, we, like you said, we didn't pay for a whole lot the first time around. And now I feel like my feelings have actually changed. Like I want to invest my money in the things that I really like that when I do become, uh, have another kid that postpartum is even more fluid for me, uh, because I like the stuff that I bought. If that makes yeah. Sense. Yeah. That definitely makes so, sense. Yeah. So like, I don't know, having different colors or different types of stuff. I really think that having the, the um, I don't know, what do they call Like the two-in-one type of things or the four-in-one type of things are really useful because they can grow with you and change. And if it's not expired, then keep it if, if that's something that you spent good money on. So I don't know. It kind of varies for me. I have mixed feelings about it. I do have a tub of clothes. Um, in the basement of Owens and I think every time I look at it and go through it I take out more and more and more just because I want the next kid to feel like I invested as much as I have into Owen and just have a new experience but that's that's a personal thing like I can't say I can't say that's like super financially (laughs) like savvy I don't know it's hard for me yeah I feel like it's so different for us a lot. I almost can count on one hand how many items of clothing I bought Gemma because of yeah. we have family nearby and they're constantly um, and we're very grateful. But yeah, because of that, I just feel like I've never like sometimes I, I feel like, oh, I wish I could curate her wardrobe or have a capsule kids wardrobe, but I just never yeah. will. Like it's right. or at least because because of the blessing of what we have we have family that gives us a lot of stuff and yeah um you know I could look at that negatively if I wanted to but so with her I I've kept things that are our favorites because of that because it's just what it is and well I I tell myself that I want less for her because we had so much for her um and we still do clothing wise so I don't keep a lot of it I donate a lot of it and I always just I say this um, like as recommendations for people and I say it to mm-hmm. myself is that if they're if you are waiting a long time in between kids or it, yeah it, it depends on the situation but pretty much any baby thing can be bought secondhand yeah. or right. gotten hand me down and exactly. so I mean for us we're definitely keeping there's things like car seats that just aren't as easy to get secondhand I feel like or you know if you have a good one and it's not going to be expired then why not keep it and it's not huge although well Mm -hmm. the one we're using now is but we'll use it for a while so so yeah the like the four-in-one type of things but um we just got rid of a bunch of like the swings and things that we were keeping around at first we we, Another suggestion that we did, but then it came back around, so it didn't work forever, but we gave it to friends to borrow because we gave Uh, things to uh friends to borrow that we thought we probably wanted to keep, and then it came back. (laughs) We still don't have another (laughs) one, and I don't want this in my basement right now, and I don't think think we even need it for the next kid, and if we do, if our next kid comes around and we think we really need a swing then I'm sure I can find one that is one that I absolutely love right secondhand for cheap so or if I you know if I if you want to buy it new however you want to get it but it it's a personal choice it really is because you know it depends on what you value and but the thing is if you are letting go of baby stuff it's most likely you can find someone to donate to and like someone in your community, um, you know, someone in need, there are organizations Mm -hmm. out there. So it's not necessarily that it's wasteful um, to do, to get rid of it because it is going to, there are so many people in need of that Mm -hmm. stuff. And it feels so much better doing that than keeping it. And I know a lot, a lot of the feedback maybe we get on our pages is like, Oh, but it's so sentimental. The thing is, is that you have to get good at letting go of things in general in other areas to be able to let go of that stuff because it is, can be sentimental. For me, it wasn't sentimental because I had already done the work in other places in my home. And I knew that if I let it accumulate, I would be back to square one. And one of the rules that the minimalists say, um, he said, you can kind of pretty much get rid of anything under $20 because it can be easily replaced. There will never be a short of shortage of baby clothes will never be a shortage of baby kitchen gear like all the things you can always buy that or find it like you said or get it somewhere um 
So hanging on to it doesn't serve any purpose. You're just creating a warehouse wherever in your home. And two, like for me, I just don't want to have to deal with that stuff or have it resurface again later down the road when I'm trying to make a new experience for myself with a new child. So yeah, yeah we just don't hold on to a lot. Yeah, I think of things too, when I'm setting aside what I want to donate or what I want to keep with her clothes, because I still mm-hmm. do keep, it's I keep less and less as she gets older. Now it's Same. like two things out of the whole yes. bunch. It used to be more sentimental. And when I, I've gone through those bins recently because I needed to pare them down a little bit, I think about this fact that in my head, I'm like, oh, it would be so, if I had another girl, it would be so sweet to see this same Christmas dress on the next baby. But I don't know. Well, really? Like, really make that much of a difference? Or will I really feel that way when on Christmas Eve, when I'm trying to whisk my family out of the house? (laughs) Will I really look at that dress and be like, oh, that was so sweet that that was on Gemma once, you know? I don't know. Maybe that's really sweet and sentimental. But when it comes down to it, I think our memories aren't as tied to stuff as we think they are. I think we put too much responsibility on stuff for holding our memories, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I think because it's, it's like your senses are involved, like your sense of touch and your sense of smell and everything, it, it immediately takes you back to these memories. And so, but the thing is like a picture can do the same thing. Yeah. And if I have a picture of Owen in a specific outfit that I really loved, that picture is worth more because he's in it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not worth like if, if there's not a body in the clothes, it doesn't make it special, you know? It's yeah. just an outfit. But if there's a picture of him in that time like it's it's more valuable to me. So I have I've had an easier time lately um letting go of clothes. And I think too I think it's so much healthier to live in the here and now um, because it makes you available and makes room in your mind and your emotions to be present for whatever you want to feel now. And if you're hanging on to a lot of that from the past, um, you're not here for the present. And if I kept everything from my kind of traumatic new, new motherhood phase, I would be full, you know, I would, Mm -hmm. uh, my cup would be overflowing with pain and I don't need that to feel that to be present with my toddler now. So I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, um, yeah, that's what we just did in our basement. I mean, we realized that our home, we were feeling discontent in our home because Mm -hmm. it's small and especially the living space of it is small, like square footage. It's not terribly small, but the actual space we can live in day to day yeah. Is small and then we have a huge basement that was a lot of it was taken up by baby stuff and if we can make a play space in this basement then we might feel a little less you know stuffy in here right. so we did and I realized that kind of looking at that baby stuff every day it's not it didn't necessarily bring up negative feelings of me but it kind of just kept bringing up the question of when is this happening again? Because that's a question that is always in my head. And I just don't want to have that. I don't, I don't need that question looming over my every day because sometimes it makes me anxious. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, and I, you know, we talk about this all the time is like clutter can be in your mind too. And while physical clutter obviously adds up and you can see it, it does do something to your mind. And I, Obviously, those negative thoughts are way more toxic than some of the physical stuff will ever be. Um, But when that's out of your house, and this is why what led me to that initial purge way back when, my textbooks, I've said this before, my textbooks of, uh, I don't know, failed career, not really failed, but uh, what's the word? More like um, never came to fruition or something. Uh, It just reminded me of someone that I wasn't right now. And the same thing can do with the baby stuff. I'm not a new mom anymore. I'm not a baby mom anymore. I'm a toddler mom now. And I can be fully confident in that phase. And when it's time to be a baby mom, I'll, I'll be fully present there because I will have emptied out my brain and my heart to a point where I can fill it up again. Well, I think we're going to end it there since we talked about babies for so long. But hopefully this is helpful to the new mom. And if you're not a new mom, I'm sure you are able to relate in some way or at least, you know, have your own perspective on the same things. So, yeah, it's been fun chatting about babies, although it's 
Bring up that question to me. Of, uh... I know. Okay, so TikTok. I, I always think about it. It's so funny because I didn't know if other people thought about it as much as I do, but I truly think about it so much. But, you know, I think if anything, like, it's important to think about those things. It's not important to think about the stuff that's in your house. So, yeah, if you can, if you can transfer what's your mental space for the things that decisions you have to make rather than dealing with decisions of the stuff you know it's what's better yeah. yeah well this is so good i haven't i don't yeah. think i've talked about new motherhood on the podcast ever so Aww. i don't think so this is good it's near and dear it was it, it's such a sweet phase but it can be so tough <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah there's a lot of a lot of different yeah. um adjectives for it yeah. so <laughs> um but it's it's good so if you are a new mom like there are good things and obviously like so many good things and you're or not necessarily a new mom but you know if you are about to be a new mom or if you are a new mom minimalism helps the new mom so much mm-hmm. and that was my experience with it and I know that's a lot of people's experience of finding it when they're a new mom or when they do have a, a newborn even if it was just like in addition to the family yeah. because that is a time where you want to be able to be focused on these changes that are happening, focus right. on, you know, you don't, you don't want to have to focus on the mess that's all around you. And even though there will be a mess, yep. it will be less of a burden, um, especially when we've kind of detached our um, identity from stuff. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and I hope it made you feel a little less alone on your journey, whether that is in new motherhood or just your journey to a minimalish life, whatever that looks like for you right now. I just hope that this conversation encouraged you a little bit, maybe made you laugh a little bit. If you are listening to this on the day it comes out or through the week it comes out, then next week is the week of Christmas. So if your family celebrates, I hope you have a beautiful holiday and I hope you're able to focus on the things that are most important to you and let go of the rest. And I will talk to you right back here again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.